Welcome to the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast brought to you by Torch Technologies. In this podcast, you will learn about all things Torch, from its history to its culture, employee ownership, commitment to the warfighter, our community involvement, and so much more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and stay connected with Torch by following us on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Today, I'm sitting down to talk with Bill Warwick, co-founder of Torch Technologies. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation regarding the Tugboat Institute and address their seventh and final P of pragmatic innovation today. The Tugboat Institute defines pragmatic innovation as embracing a continuous improvement process built around taking capital-efficient, calculated risk to innovate creatively within constraints. Looking at this journey that Torch has been on over the last 20 years, how do you approach taking risks in the business? And how do you measure a risk to verify that is a calculated one? And what does that process look like? You know, this intertwines with the other P's, and we've talked about a lot of this already. And, uh, <laughs> it's sort of interesting, but this is one of the areas we do very well. You don't have to look very far to see that evidence of that. You know, in the recent few years, you can just look out the back door of Nichols up there or back door of Nichols Drive up there where Torch sits, and you go down there and look to the left, and there's the laboratories that we've built in the last two years, or last three years, I guess. And you look at that, and you see, well, there was some planning made in advance for future work that we were planning on doing. We made a decision some years ago to try to start to get into the solution space, and then we did a lot of little laboratories inside the building there, and building there at the Freedom Center really not designed to be very much of a laboratory and really doesn't have the safety features or the pieces. And in fact, one time we wired one of the laboratory equipments into the heating system. So every time <laughs> they turned it on, the heating would go out or heating or air conditioning would go out. And so clearly not the best building for doing what we were trying to do there. So, and we started to recognize and, and that if we're going to build out this business, we need to build out a laboratory and, uh, we laid the plans and began to build that laboratory out. And it literally was just in time, just as we were getting the laboratory built, we started to win these contracts. And it was literally filled up with work <laughs> within weeks of it being completed. And then we started to see this business is starting to grow. We're going to need additional facilities and additional capabilities. And so we expanded it and put a building out back and and this sort of looks at the pragmatic innovation, both from a freedom and a torch standpoint. Freedom started to recognize that torch really only needed 30,000 square feet there, but we just built a 30,000 square foot building and now they need 30,000 more. <laughs> so we looked at it and said, well, let's build a 100,000 square foot building. And sure enough, just as we got the 30,000 finished that torch was in, they turned and say, well, we need another slice of the building. <laughs> And we had another little company we were working with there, and same thing with them. They were growing. And so we literally finished the 60,000 feet there that uh, two uh, torch and in a variant had taken. And then before the paint got dry on the walls, we had plans to finish the rest of the building. Wow. So we were planning in advance for those things. And we literally finished that building just in time for one of the large contracts that they had in terms of building a whole slew of targets for a customer and we had a lot of supply chain issues there and we literally built the building uh, got the ceo and there was a garage door we needed we had to actually seal that door up because <laughs> the garage door at the size we needed wasn't available for a few months until after the building's built so then we had to go back and put the garage door in but 
I guess that's a little example of pragmatic innovation <laughs> failed there, but uh, it was failed due to the supply chain issues that we've had to deal with here in the last couple of years. But if you look all the way back at the history of torch, and I think I've talked about some of these things in other podcasts, we looked at needs that we would have in the future, like the software certification. And we started building that two, two and a half years before building that capability two and two and a half years. And so we continue to innovate. And then as you roll on forward, there's a number of other things like that. The accounting system, way back when we pushed QuickBooks to the limit, uh, <laughs> I think probably about twice beyond its limit as we were putting a new accounting system in. And then we're only on that new accounting system a few years until we had to go to this bona fide a huge accounting system that all the defense contractors use now. And so we had those plans in place. And because we had those plans in place, I know we were able to install our current accounting system at a fraction of the cost of what some other companies who waited till the last minute and then tried to put it in at the last <laughs> minute. So we ended up maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars with the install, whereas some other companies I know took a million dollars because they waited too late wow. and had to get right to it and... So they had to bring in consultants and they made last minute mistakes. Well, we were able to install and run in parallel for a little while and make sure we were up and ready to go. So that planning up front, our admin team is really good at that. We were planning on building capabilities around the IT system and those capabilities were getting in place just in time as COVID hit, those capabilities were coming online and a lot of us to work from home. Whereas had we not been preparing and having that cloud capability in place, we might have been in a tough place. There's just, you know, we do a lot of R&D and building things on R&D that would later turn into products. One of the most interesting ones here in the last couple of years, we've made a big investment in training technologies that's going to allow us to train nurse anesthetists and it'll actually allow us to start a whole new business line that'll create a lot of opportunity for some of our really powerful software programmers. And not only will it be fun software development, it'll be development that is very impactful in that training will allow nurses to save people's lives and doing that training quickly and easily so that they can stay current will save lives, not only in the U.S., but it puts a platform that allows us to train all over the world. And in some places where the training is uh, substandard, we may dramatically improve the success rate in those situations. So very impactful. The foresight and just the dedication to creating something new that the company had has put us in a lot of good positions like that. Yeah. I mean, this 20-year journey, I mean, there's definitely been risks and calculated risks maybe that you've taken that have helped project and kind of give a new trajectory for what Torch could achieve and kind of set you on a new path. Thinking over this whole journey you've had, is there one calculated risk? Is there one thing that you can think of that was a huge risk at the time, but without that risk, you might not be having the same conversation with me today? <laughs> well, there's one that stands out above all others. And I think it's, you know, a lot of the folks who've been here live through this. Uh, a lot of folks, 2006 or seven, we made the decision to bid for prime contracts. We'd been a subcontractor. We had a couple of small primes, but opportunity to bid and become a major prime contractor was in front of us. And the way the things rolled out, if we bid those prime contracts at that time, the government required exclusivity. And so we put together an exclusive team. And if we win, we grow. <laughs> if we lose, we go home. <laughs> 
And the way the teaming worked out with the partnering that we did, there were eight of those bids, and we had to do all eight of them or none. We couldn't just select the ones we wanted. So the requirement was that we do all eight, and the expectation was that we might win one or two. And we won four of those. Wow. And uh, at the time, I don't remember what the revenue, annual revenue was at the time, maybe $20, $30 million, maybe as much as 50, but 20, 30 would be, I guess I'd have to go back and look. But we won $440 million (laughs) contracts. So that was dramatic. And that that sort of violated all the rules of paste growth and all (laughs) those things. But again, as I said, sometimes the way the government lines things up, we have to respond and it forces us into a situation that was an all in virtually everyone in the company was part participating in that. And, you know, from junior, uh, junior folks helping with the proposals all the way to the senior folks, but it was something we understood. We were good at, we felt like it was worth taking the risk, but I think you would refer to that in a number of business books that I've read over the years as a big, hairy, audacious goal. (laughs) (laughs) And it certainly was, and we accomplished it. And shortly after those wins, it put us in a place to win an MCOM Express Prime contract. And so that's probably the one monumental moment, much because we bet the whole company. If we didn't win, we'd all be looking for jobs somewhere else. It's easy to talk about it now, but I bet at the moment it was a very, very tough time. we, We had a pucker factor. There's no doubt about it. There was a lot of us very nervous and and when that first win came in, we knew we were okay. But then when the second one came in, we started to get jubilant. And then when the third one came <laughs> in, we were sort of, you know, by the time the fourth one came in, we were euphoric. And uh, turns out, you know, there were eight of them and we bid all eight. We would have won a fifth one if not for a small error in the cost proposal. And I think the government was getting a little nervous about giving all these to one very small <laughs> business. So they didn't give us a chance to fix the the air and the cost proposal. And I think when we complained a little bit about that, they said, you've won $440 (laughs) of contract awards. Please be gracious and move forward. So, Yeah, I mean, that that growth that you must have had in 2006 must have just been astronomical. Well, it was in 2008 when they were 2008, okay. I mean, that that growth is just, then you're having to then almost think about it then, uh, like, how can I contain this growth now that I've gotten to this level? And then there's probably other levels throughout the years, probably a few years down the road that you had another big thing that kind of pushed you to a new level. And then kind of having those, but I think like like we talked about before in previous episodes, having those long-term goals of what you wanted. Yes, you might've achieved more and might've grown torch to more than what you ever really imagined, but you were always kind of ready for what the next step was, not knowing what the next step could be. Yep, and that's probably been one of the real keys to our success. You look at the management team early, we were doing that then. You look at the management team today, they're doing that today. They are looking ahead and laying the foundation to make the bids that move us forward. Yeah, well, thank you so much for talking with me today about the principle of pragmatic innovation. It's amazing just to see this whole journey. We've gone through all the seven Ps of of the Tugboat Institute. If you want to find out more about the Tugboat Institute, read more about them, find out more, you can visit their website, tugboatinstitute.com today. If you're listening and you want to find out more about Torch, see what jobs are available, just see more about the history, it's all on our website, torchtechnologies.com today. But thank you again for sitting down and talking with me. Let's keep the dream alive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and stay connected with us on social media for news and updates surrounding the company. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed it. 